Welcome to season seven of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Gretemann Group and Xstand. This show is for all levels of experience, talking marketing, business, and branding with the brightest of minds as our guests. Lots of learning and laughing. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to season seven of the Making a Marketer podcast. I am so excited. I'm going to talk to Jen here in just a sec, but I kind of want to give the lay of the land for what's happening today. We're going to mix things up a bit this season, a little bit with the format, and we're going to seek out your opinion, among other things, some changes we're going to be making. So look for those. I am hot off podcast movement conference. I literally got home at midnight last night. And so I do sound a little conference-like in my voice. But also, I didn't just learn a ton. I really got a ton of motivation to grow this show and to switch things up a bit. So I'd love to first start with asking you up front. We usually do this at the end. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you're watching on the live, we are broadcasting this live this time, this crazy reunion show that we're going to do. But we're also, you know, we want podcast listeners because this is an audio podcast. So if you listen on podcasts on audio only, absolutely share, share, share. We would love that. We want to grow the show and get heard by more people and make a difference for more folks. Miss Jen Cole, how are you? It's seven seasons. Hi. Number seven. It is wild. Um, I don't know where the time has gone. Honestly, it still seems like just yesterday when this thing was fresh and just an idea. And now here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Great. I love it. Passion project turned, you know, I don't know what. It's interesting too, because I was talking to somebody yesterday about how it started as a passion project and I've not been concerned about monetizing it, although I have indirectly, but then I got to thinking like my why has changed. My why was passion project, but also to my business and my business has changed tremendously. And so also the way that I share with the sponsor of the show is I'm going to do that at the end or midway or towards the end, I think moving forward. Anyway, thank you for always showing up and I'm going to maybe be asking a little bit more of you. Yay. I'm so excited. I am just as excited about the idea of growing this. So I, ah, I can't wait to hear like all the <laughs> when we chat here in a little while off camera about our plan yeah. to take over the world. So those of you who have been with us for a while, you know, we do reunion shows. So we kick off a new season. We invite everyone back from the previous season. And then we pull together as many as we can get together a challenge when you're talking about, you know, 20 plus people. And so today we're going to have six people with us. We're going to rotate our friends in and out um, in groups of two. We're going to revisit their episode. And and then Jen's going to ask them a challenging question that I hope everyone prepared for because it's one of those things like Find a business challenge that you've overcome. It's like hard to pick one probably for some people, but also you want you don't want to come off like you're, what's the word? You want it to still sound positive, good. <laughs> like it was a good lesson. Oh, just by how hard it was. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So on that, I'm going to thank everyone who is watching us live. Please put any questions or comments in the chat. Thank you if you're watching the replay. And if you are listening on the podcast, of course, you are our people. And we can't thank you enough for being with us as we kick off season seven. So our first two guests with us today are Rachel Bruce and Cass Cooper. Welcome to the show. See this production? I'm trying to have some little production value. We're on StreamYard and I got me a Puddles um, at the show yesterday. So StreamYard is also a podcast platform for those who don't know. And Puddles is just the cutest (laughs) puddle bit. Very cute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks, ladies, for rejoining us. Cass kind of knows that she's been around the block on this reunion thing once before, but having had been on the show before. But yeah, so we're going to, I'm going to start with you, Rachel. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, Megan? Excellent. I do want to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, just brief little intro. Yeah. So my name is Rachel Bruce. I lead growth marketing for traditionally like technology, AI, cybersecurity companies, and am based in the Chicago area. 
Awesome. Okay. So as happens in tech and in life, some things have changed since Rachel. Was on. She's no longer <laughs> with the company she was with when she was on. But we talked about exploring the ever-changing marketing landscape. And I really enjoyed our chat because I felt like it... I mean, basically... We talked about all facets of marketing and what you call things, you know, what things are called now, but really it's all just integrated marketing. And I think Cass and I ended up kind of talking, I think we kind of talked a little bit about that with her too on her show. So how do you keep learning and growing in your... I mean, shoot, there's a ton of content. Sometimes I even read those BDR emails and you learn something. So I don't know about you guys, but I get a lot of marketing outreach from different companies. And in all honesty, learning about the new tools that are hitting the market and seeing some of the terms they use is actually really interesting. And then I love tuning into a webinar when I can. Fairly recently, I went to a Gartner Tech Growth Innovation Conference and really focused on the marketing journey there and um, really how marketing sales and products can align for better programs, better customer experience, all of the like. And I think uh, that type of stuff is really helpful along with just kind of hearing out your colleagues and, you know, really understanding what it is that they're looking for, what they have to say, and making sure everybody is using this, has the same definitions for the terms that you're using, because that can always lead to some strife in an organization when you think you're saying the same thing and you are not. And I'm sure Kaz, yeah. you've heard that too. You've lived that life. 100%. Like, I, I mean, I work in tech as well. And so one of the things, there's so many acronyms, right? And what we mean on the marketing side and what they mean on the technical side don't always align. And I was joking with a friend earlier this week about when I first started, um, I actually had a colleague that I would make a glossary with. And whenever I was on a call and it was something new that I didn't know what it was, I'd put it in there and then I'd ping her and I'm like, can you... Can you go back and define that for me? Because I don't either. I'm on this call and I don't know what they're saying. Like, and I need to catch up fast. So, yeah. Having those terms and definitions is definitely clutch for sure. Yeah, I Google stuff all the time. I'm like, what does that mean? All the time. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So, Rachel, uh, Jen's going to ask you the, the one big question. All right. The one big question, you know, like Megan mentioned before, we, we love to keep things positive here. A great way we can all learn from a hard experience is, is, is that's always a positive. So what is the biggest business challenge that you have had and how did you go about overcoming that? And, you know, this is going to be a long one. So, you know, <laughs> probe for some questions, but I would just say, um, honestly, changing the perception of marketing. I think that mm. in so many organizations you go in, especially with my role where I'm very performance driven, you go into cultures that are very activity focused and activity focused is, hey, we deployed a program. Awesome. Now, how is that program leading to your growth goals? Now, for me, Deploying performance-based programs means being highly strategic in what programs we're deploying, how it helps with our goals of right now, and then having the mechanisms to track for that and performance manage. And being a marketer that has to align with a sales team or a revenue team, go-to-market teams that have different views of activity and you know maybe don't like being told no, it's always a, a unique cycle when you are deploying that structure and really trying to change perception, especially when you've finally moved away from having names as leads to actually providing high-quality leads that the team does need to prioritize due to time constraints. And, you know, like time kills all leads. I think we are all aware of that. And especially when you finally move to a position where you're deploying leads that really meet your ICP, that are high quality ICP, ideal customer profile. I was just going to say like, well, someone might be watching this not know what that is. But yeah. <laughs> I'll give you that. But yeah, so I think redefining the perception of marketing in organizations is always a challenge for me. And, you know, naturally as type A as I am, I do have structures for that and a whole framework and model, but it is a challenge that exists each and every time I entered an organization. Yes. And that pressure to get sales to do something with those leads is it's real. That for me, that's the biggest struggle is like, uh, we got them for you where we open the door. We're like, we're handing you these things. Please, please close the business. And Megan, we talked about it before, right? We are support for sales. Marketing truly is. And when it comes down to it, 
we hand them off. And if that handoff, nothing happens from there, it's really hard to say that program wasn't effective because you're not in control of the entire cycle. And so you might have had a really effective program and you have gaps in other parts of the organization. And that's a really delicate conversation. So I think we deal with that. And it's definitely a matter of being like diplomatic in your conversations and having data to support it. And I think that's the really crucial part is having those data structures in place, alignment on your ideal customer profile, and then being able to articulate that and give the organization the visibility they need to understand Mm. where those challenges and breakdown might be, where where the leak in the bucket might be, so to speak. Right. For sure. Well, Rachel is on episode 128. So go back and listen to that. I will be linking everyone's episodes in the show notes. So I'll make it a little bit easier on you. Easy as I can. I think I neglected to say my name up front. If you are listening to this for the first time, I'm Megan Powers. (laughs) Sometimes on lives, I forget to do that because my name's on the screen. And like, of course, you can see who I am. But if you're listening on the podcast, you're not seeing the the visuals. All right. So Miss Kat, I am going to ask you to give us listeners a brief intro about yourself. Yeah, my name is Cass Cooper. I go by she, her pronouns. I am currently working in the equity and inclusion space for a tech media company. Um, We are a marketing agency. That is one arm of the things that we do. But my spin on it now is how do we build inclusion in the marketing that we do and the events that we put on for our customers and our clients? What does that look like um, in real time? What does that look like? like on screen? How do we make sure people are represented? Um, Where are we making sure we're meeting people and the needs that they have um, so that they will ultimately buy from us? So that is what I do now and I'm loving it. So when I was on a couple seasons ago, I was doing something completely different um, and I was working for myself and talking a lot about personal branding. Um, And now I get to use my personal brand in a whole new way. So it's really fun. Yes. Her show was titled Marketing in the Age of Trolls and Countercultural Wars. It wasn't as heavy as it sounds, (laughs) but it was. We did really have a good chat about how challenging it is to A, to not feed trolls, but to like have all that, you know, yeah. addressing equity and all of the things that are important um, in a meaningful way. Yeah. Right. It's really, I think the, the whole idea of a troll to me is so funny because not, I don't want to say funny. I don't want to downplay because people really do get very upset and it, it almost, and we talked about this in the episode, It makes the question of what about this image? What about this statement that we're making in this context makes you so passionate in a way that you have to express it so negatively. And that to me is such a fascinating question because ultimately marketers are just as marketers are desires to make people react and we want them to react in a positive way. Right. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And so how do we mitigate that? And what do we do for that? It was really cool to talk to her. Yeah, the keyboard warriors, right? Like they're yes. so everyone's everyone's so strong when they're behind their keyboard, you know. But if you had to face them face to face and have them and guarantee they wouldn't say most of the stuff that they yeah. say. It's fascinating to me. Actually, I got my master's in communication and that was one of the things along those lines is was a, a lot of what is being studied, you know, like what you can get done online and what you can't and how people act online versus or versus offline and stuff. It's, yeah. it's so all very interesting and challenging. I think Jen has a question for you. I do. So like we mentioned before, we love to learn from not so positive experiences, but of course, turn the learning experience into a positive. So tell us about one of your biggest business challenges and how you overcame it. Yeah. So I think my biggest business challenge was initially building my personal brand and bridging that into a new part of my career, right? So you know, building that brand took me a little while and trying to figure it out. And I'm still, you know, retooling it every day. And it's taking that marketing acumen and applying it to my own personal thing. Sometimes it's easier to do it for clients and products than it is for yourself. So I'm really challenging that. But then how do I leverage that once I completed or once I really felt strongly about my personal brand and my personal presence? How do I leverage that to tell a good story and really making sure that I'm using it to move my own career forward, but also doing it in a way that 
sets a good example for other folks who are doing the same. So I would say it took a lot of care of myself and empathy for myself and understanding, you know, I'm getting started where I am. And it it was just a really big challenge to try to like make that career shift based off of my personal branding. For a long time, I was in hospitality and that's what I was known for. So now I'm really glad to have people connect with me in a different way, but still using those same tools and the same platforms. So that's great. What a success that is. That's so great to hear stories like that, because I know there are several other people that I even know personally that have gone through similar things like that. And to hear such a success come out of that kind of challenge is really encouraging, I'm sure, and inspiring. Yeah. I mean, the role that I'm in now with the channel company is a role that I got because of my personal marketing and branding online. So it was, and it took some guts, right? Like, yeah. So yeah, that's been my biggest challenge because it is bridging that gap between what I do personally and what I um, am doing professionally and making them, as Megan alluded to, align. And I'm not just a person offline, I'm a person online as well. So. Yeah, I heard a clip from Seth Godin. I think it was from, I think it was Seth. He said something like, you're actually at a huge disadvantage if you haven't had several different types of careers. You know, Mm. people who have narrowed themselves into one thing, I might find it hard to make a change. And I, marketing, I think is unique. There's so many different kinds of marketing, but yeah. So I love that you were able to make that transition. So I, I in yeah. for a sec, Megan, because yeah, I of course. Think as without a brand, like so many companies today try and skip that really crucial branding component and like a message guide and some of the really basic things that are needed. And it is just creates such a disadvantage for Mm -hmm. deploying programs like product marketing, demand gen, and every aspect of the marketing org when you don't outline and set up your brand as a whole. So I'm really looking forward to tuning into your podcast and learning more about that because so many times the organizations I enter do kind of, they skip past it and it, it really creates a challenge. And then you work under the assumption that everybody knows what the branding guidelines and what they are. And that is not the case, right? We always say what gets measured gets done. Well, if you don't write it down, how is anybody supposed to learn it? If I come into your organization brand new, where do I go for this information? And everyone's like, oh, well, we just know. And it's like, well, how? Where? (laughs) And then they get mad when people are posting on social media about things that aren't your differentiators or your value props. Well, we never wrote it down. Yeah. Or you wrote it down and never communicated it to people. So there's another challenge. Yeah. Well, especially when new people come in, they're like, wait, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah, Onboarding, uh, all sorts of stuff like that can get lost in onboarding. Well, I could talk to you guys forever. For sure. You have other people um, to talk to, but thank you so much. And I wanted to say to both of you, y'all do a great job and the podcast has been a wild success. So congratulations on season seven. Thank you so much. Yes. And um, Cass's episode was episode 129. So like I said, I'm a link both in the show notes. And ladies, I'm going to remove you from the stage, but we would love to, if you want to stick around, you could stick around or you can watch us online and comment and join in on the conversation. Thank you both so much. Perfect. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye guys. All right. Let's see. Remove from the stream. I'm doing this. I'm adding Jim and Mr. Jim Fuse. I'm adding Madeline and look at me producing this show. Hi there. Impressive. <laughs> oh, it's not impressive. It's just clicking some buttons. But, you know, like when you're on Zoom, everyone's just on and, you know, you just see them. And so I was trying to make it a little bit more fancy. Welcome to the show, Jim Fuse and Madeline Sklar. Great to Hi, be everybody. here. I'm glad you. to do this with Jim. How exciting. Right? <laughs> I was not just a hat rack, my friends. I put people together on purpose. <laughs> I love it. I love today, the second half. I'm hoping we can pull some more people into the part two of this so we get some more past guests. But, but I was super stoked that we had six rock stars that agreed to record today. So thanks so much for being with us. Okay, I'm going to start with Jim. Jim's show was broadcast on Amazon Live with his sidekick, Chris Stone. That was episode 111. Jim, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah. So uh, Jim Fuse, I'm a retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel and I do marketing the Marine Corps way, own a business fusion marketing and really been focusing a lot on remote live stream production as well. As you mentioned, uh, Amazon with uh, Dealcasters and Chris, where we, we do a show on Amazon, we turn it into a podcast and uh, come a long way, which will go into the question that we're going to get asked later. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Good setup. Good setup. Okay. So yeah, I think that Amazon Live is just, just a mystery to so many people. And so you guys are really doing a service to the industry. I was going to say to the world, that's a little dramatic, <laughs> to the retailers and like to people on Amazon and in marketing and not just your show, but how you teach people about how to do it. And so I, I would love just real quick before Jen asks her question um, on that, like, are you finding that people are trying to get into it just so they can sell stuff on Amazon or what's your take I, I think, on that? I think that's some of it, but I've also recently started working with a, a SaaS company called eStreamly and we're actually helping people go live on their websites and be able to sell on their own platform so they don't have to go on Amazon. And that's been pretty neat. In fact, you can use StreamYard with it and uh so that's like kind of, I think the next step is getting off of Amazon and being able to go live on your website and actually make conversions there and own the audience. But yeah, I think, I think there's still people trying to figure it out. And, you know, Amazon's always changing the rules. We've seen in general, the live right. streams across the board there, like it used to be your show would show up on the product page. Well, they like stopped doing that. I, I don't know if there was abuse by certain people. So it's been challenging with the live stream. And that's why we, you know, keep focused with the, uh, the product videos. Yeah, super smart. Well, and I was just at Podcast Movement and had a conversation with Joe Mangello about, you know, his people are on Facebook and that's why they're on Facebook. And I, and so we were kind of just talking through like, well, what, ha but what happens? if, you know, and he said he has lost, he's lost access before and then you can't get anyone at Facebook and it's like, it's a lot. And so, yeah, it is that struggle, like putting all of that, you don't, if you can avoid it, <laughs> trying right. to not put all those eggs in one social basket. Yes. All right, Jen, what's your question? Okay. So I have a pretty amazing question for you, Jim. You may have heard uh, before that we like to take not so great things and turn them, make it positive by making it a learning, you know, kind of the hard way type of experience, which is a positive. So what is one of your biggest business challenges that you've been through and how did you overcome that? So the biggest business challenge I would say that I ran into was in 2018, had just started the, the Tim and Jim show in okay. August of that year. And Hurricane Florence decided to visit Eastern North Carolina, where I was living. I had to evacuate. At the time, it was almost a Category 4 storm. It turned into a 2 or a 3, but it didn't matter because it caused $85,000 of damage to my house. Oh, my gosh. As well as a lot of the businesses that I was working with locally shut down. The schools I taught at were shut down. So literally, I, you know, thank goodness I had my retirement income literally I had no business for probably three months. And so I had to think about the fact that me and my business partner up there, it's like, we do stuff online. We need to stop being like, if you want to call it hyper local focus. So I started using the internet. And so now, you know, when the pandemic started, we won't call it that other word, I was ready for it. And I ended up, my business ended up growing because of the ability to help people go live and produce remote video because nobody knew how to do it because they thought everything was always going to be in person. So that's, I would say, is my success story. I love that. That was such a learning experience for so many people. It literally changed probably every industry having to be so entirely digital for such a long time. So that's cool that you got to be such a big part of it and make a huge difference for so many business owners. That's so inspiring. It's great. Turn a negative into a positive, right? Yeah. <laughs> I awesome. love that. Yeah. And Marissa Kelly said a similar thing too about the, the pandemic. Yeah, we have we had definitely had two ends of the spectrum on that one, right? Like some people flourished and some people had major challenges. Right. All right. Awesome, Jim. So, and I know, of course, you two are pals, so we can, you know, chime in as we get our chat on with Madeline, because a lot of, I mean, we talked about some madness, 
before, and there's been even more madness since, but before we get to that, <laughs> um, well, I'm going to say her, the name of her show was Twitter Talk with Madeline Sklar. It was episode Twitter 122. Smarter. Yeah. Well, my, the name of my show for you that you were on. Oh, okay. this was oh called right, Twitter. right, right. We're going to have to rename it. Yeah. X talk. Yeah, no, yeah, X talk. no, she's not. Nope, we're going to get into that. I would love for you, Madeline, please, if anyone's been under a rock, let our listeners know who you are in case they don't know. Well, here's what's so cool. I just updated my my Twitter or X. I say both because like half the people I talk to are now calling it X, but half people still say Twitter. I want to be in the middle and not offend anybody. I just updated my bio. So you guys tell me if my 160 character bio says it all. So I am the tattoo wearing social media evangelist, always learning and growing, passionate about empowering others with the wisdom I relentlessly uncover. And I'm a spaces host three times a week. I'm pretty happy with this. I think it says a lot. Now, I do focus primarily on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. That's what Mm -hmm. people know me for. Yeah. All right. So, but we talked about all the changes since Elon took over. And at the time that we chatted, it was still called Twitter, although the domain is still Twitter. So I refuse to call it X personally, but that's just my, <laughs> that's that's just weird my name. <laughs> it is. But you're not going to call it X chat, right? Like then that has a whole different connotation. Are we talking about <laughs> ex-husbands? What are we, are we talking about ex-wives? What are we talking about? <laughs> no, we're not going to call it that. So I don't know yeah. yet. I'm still calling it Twitter smarter, it, you know, Good. to be determined. I'm not sure right. yet. I mean, what if this was all just a publicity stunt. I always wonder. I always <laughs> to wonder. To get us talking. I don't know. Well, you know, a week ago, the big stunt was that he decided that he wants to remove blocking right. on the platform. Mm-hmm. And he was at, a, yeah. he was in China live streaming on the mobile app with his ex, Grimes, who I think he has a child with, right? She was doing some big concert. And all of a sudden he tweets and says, or posts and says, they're going to remove the block feature. And that's all well, people talked about for days. Oh, I missed that. How did I miss that? I I got a lot going on. But yeah, yeah that's bananas. I, I I absolutely would spend less time there. I would have spent, I'm spending less time already. I would spend even less time. I like Cass's idea. What about Twix? Wait. <laughs> I've had so many people throw that one to me. Like, you're going to call it Twix? I'm not sure what to do. I'm getting used oh, to saying man. X now, but Twitter Smarter is such a branded hashtag. But also, the yeah. platform doesn't want you using hashtags anymore. Mm. Really? What? I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, because like. they're they're finally being transparent with the algorithm, and people have been like digging through it and explaining what it all means. And one of the things it shows is that if you use more than one hashtag in a tweet, that it'll get downranked. Good to know. So don't use more than one, but I'm starting to get in the habit of not using them at all. And it's better to not have a a link or URL. So what Um, a lot of people are experimenting with is is having as a thread. So your first tweet with your powerful statement and then the second one with the link. But I always tell everybody, experiment and see what works for you. You you might find that it doesn't make a difference. So you might as well put the link. I am always posting links to things. So I'm, I'm mostly still putting it in my main post, but I'm always watching to see, but I don't know. Things are always up and down over there and it changes day to day and analytics don't look correct. So I don't know what's going on. And it didn't seem like to me, that was always one of the advantages of Twitter is that you could put links and that made it easy to share things that maybe didn't work as well on other platforms. Exactly. But what they're trying to do now is make it the everything app. That's what Elon wants to do. But He wants YouTubers to be on the platform. People don't go onto the platform to watch videos, not on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. That's kind of my new thing. I just say Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) I've gotten so in a habit of that. Uh, No, because there are some people that are really offended if you are still calling it Twitter. I got just a community of both. So I'm trying to be respectful to to everyone. But uh, it was just announced today. There's actually a tweet I have it in my feed from at X account. And if you are a premium subscriber, it used to be Twitter Blue, now it's called Premium, Premium X, you can now post up to two hours of high-definition video, uh, 1080, or three hours of 720 definition. He's trying to get the YouTubers to come over here. And the thing is, people have been talking about this quite a bit lately because they're noticing there's longer videos on the platform. But people are like, I don't come here to watch videos. I come here for short bits of information, for news so yeah. the longer posts are, are – you can write a novel now. You can literally put a novel up as a post. 
Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah, that is crazy. Wow. And this is why we love Madeline. I mean, among other things, she's a fabulous person, but she always knows the latest. You just blew my mind. I like, I've been, you know, out of things for a week and now I, all this stuff, uh, it's just, I can't keep up. It's, that's crazy. Okay. But I think Jen has a question. Okay. So it's been really hard for me to turn this whole thing into a positive. So I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but uh, who us? <laughs> Well, let me say real quick, I think with any platform is what you make of it. And yeah. while a lot of people have totally bailed on it and, and ran over to threads, I tried threads briefly, but I still have an amazing community of people that I connect with every day over on Twitter X. So I'm still there. Like I'm not ready to ditch it. it. There's still just so much. I'm not happy with all the things, but I still feel like there's still a lot of potential and I take advantage of all the features. So I'm going to be there for the long haul. As long as my people are there. As long as your people are. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, you've spent years building this, years, decades, building this community. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty solid. So I, I don't know where we would go, Madeline. I know, because I was hoping Threads would be a good alternative, and it's not yeah, for me. Not so, not so far. Yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. Like, there's like, I mean, there's so many things that stem from this, like the Twitter besties, you know, what is it, uh, marketing Twitter. Like, there's so a many things that are well-established. Twitter smarter. It's wild to me. But let's dive into your biggest business challenge that you've had and how you've overcome that, Madeline. You know, it's, so, it's such an interesting question. I love it. And it's so wild for me because I've been doing digital marketing for 27 years. I don't look old, but I am. And when I think back, like in 1996, there was nobody doing, I was one of the very first web designers here in Houston. I started an online community for female musicians. There was no such thing as online communities yet. I was doing all these things. There was nobody doing it. So there was no mentors, nobody to look up to, nobody to give me advice. And I was on that kind of a path for a very, very long time. I was never afraid to experiment and try things as a digital entrepreneur. And so there was really like, you know, it's just like obstacles get out of the way, I'm gonna do my thing. And I was really good at being a solopreneur and just doing my own thing for a very, very long time and not feeling like the need to have hired help. Of course you have contractors that like do this or do that, but like I had never like had like a true assistant or somebody doing things for me regularly that's like, this is my person. Until I wanna say it was probably not until 2015, maybe 2016, because I was, hosting my podcast, Twitter Smarter. I started the podcast 2015. And I remember, because like I started, I've always like, you know, you guys know, as a solopreneur, you get overwhelmed. There's always so much, but you, know, you find somebody to help you with this one thing or somebody help. But like, I finally was like, I need somebody to assist me regularly, like be my assistant. So it all started with, I get a LinkedIn message. You know how many of us are like, even today, it's like, oh, it's probably gonna be spam, especially back then. And it was this young girl from the Philippines that helped podcasters with their show notes and other miscellaneous things. But I remember she specifically talked about show notes. I was just in the mindset of, I need help with somebody with the show notes because I just can't do this all myself. And it was just weird timing because normally I ignore those, right? Um, many of us do because we, we just get all these like random, hey, I do this. Do you want to hire me? But there was something about this young girl and, she, and it was, she was very interesting and I thought very affordable. So I thought I'm going to give this a go. And it wasn't until I started that path with her that I realized like I was really holding myself back by not having somebody more of an assistant. She was my first VA. And I always had challenge, always had a lot of obstacles, but I just was always doing it alone. And once I like had this first VA, you know, not just, oh, here's a graphic designer that I'm contracting for this, or, you know, yeah. this is like very, it was very different for me. And it was the start of something that really, I can't believe I waited so long to do. And over time, I've had other VAs. And over the last, I think about three or four years, I've actually had this great like assistant, virtual, but a little different from your typical VA. And I can't imagine not doing that. So really looking back, I mean, I think my biggest challenge was me trying to do it all. But I always had that superwoman mindset, like, I can do it all. But, you know, yeah. when, you know when you start getting older and you've been doing all this stuff a long time, it's like, why am I just overdoing it? Why am I working these crazy hours? I've always enjoyed it, but I realized it was really time to let go and have some help. 
I love that. That I have um, been talking for three years about getting a VA to help <laughs> the, with this show, and uh, I still haven't done it. But maybe I'll pull the trigger one of these days because in, instead of it me just all tackling it by myself, more should be done that's not getting done. <laughs> and so that's I just what, need to- what that's what really sometimes you don't know until you let go. And 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 I guess I didn't realize how much that I, I could have been doing so much more. I really was holding yeah. myself back without really, when I look backwards, you asked that question, I look backwards, I'm like, that was the big challenge that I, that I wasn't always thinking about. But then once I gave this person a chance and it opened up these doors to like, oh, wow, I can have her do this and that and this and that. And all I had to do, even though she's in the Philippines, I make a little how-to video. Like at one point I had her scheduling some of my tweets and buffer for the Twitter Smarter Chat. She had never used Twitter. She didn't know what buffer was. I made a little how-to <laughs> video. She watched it once. She knew what to do. It was amazing. Many times I think when we're a solopreneur, we think it's going to be, we got to go train somebody. There's so much. If you get somebody really good, it's a lot easier than you think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone should go back and listen to Madeline's episode. It was episode 122. And Jim's again was 111. Thank you both so much for being with us. I just appreciate you as humans, but especially as marketers and people who always give up your time and um, and come on our show. It's great thank to you. see you guys. Yeah, so great you. to see you guys. Thank you for the great podcast y'all do. It's been an honor oh, being on you. it several times. Y'all do a great job. Yes, thank thanks. You. I think Madeline might be our all-time most because she also she's made it to every reunion too. So, what do you think <laughs> about doing a reunion live versus how on Zoom? Like, I love it's kind of fun, right? I'm a big fan yeah. of live. And Jim knows when I do my online training, I do most of them live because it, I think it's just easier. Plus, you get that live interaction yeah. with, with people that I think. And plus, if you're recording it. Is so easy to do too much editing for the final draft, right? Like it's just, <laughs> I find this format so much easier. Yeah, we only did like six lives last season, so that's one of my one of my plans for this season is to definitely to do that more and, and mix it up a little bit. So thank Yay. you both, and again, you're welcome to hang out backstage or join in the comments online, like our friend Cast did. Thank you, thank you both. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank okay. you. All right. Next up, we have Danny Monzon and Jeremy Lindenberg. There's Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. And Hello. Danny. Hi. Hello, everybody. Hey, hey. This is so fun. I know. I just love <laughs> It's always a party. The thing about doing this on Zoom was like there were times where we had we had like 10 people on the screen at the same time because people would join okay. in and we just and we, they would just come in, you know, because it was like I didn't have the control that I have right now. Right. Of like just of adding you in. So people would come on early and they would just hang out or they would stay. <laughs> and that definitely a huge party. So welcome both to um, happy you're here to close us out for part one of our reunion shows to kick off season seven. All right. I'm going to start with Danny. Danny's episode was humanize your brand through chat automation. It was episode 123. And so um, Danny, let's uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and then we'll just kind of like revisit what we talked about. Sure thing. Sure thing. So first of all, Congratulations on the anniversary. I think that the, this is the theme of the podcast. So <laughs> that's, that's an awesome milestone. What I do, well, I've been building chatbots for about six years. And uh, we've been hired by brands in the e-commerce space, as well as some select brick and mortar businesses to enhance their marketing and sales operations so they can save time and make more money. That's awesome. Perfectly put, like, that's a great little elevator. Right? You yeah. got going there. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Technical about it, but I think that that, uh, that works. Yeah, totally. Well, and, and here's the thing is like in the, in this world of AI that we're living in now, and I, as I mentioned, I, I just got back from podcast movement and there were some sessions on AI and how that's going to affect the podcast world. I think that anyone who's not at least having a conversation about AI is totally missing the mark. And so one of the things that we talked about was the difference between what chat automation is and AI. There's some delineation there, but also the same thing holds true with both. Humans still need to be involved. Even if the machines are doing work for you, that human element, which is what we talked about, humanizing your brand, right, through chat automation. So since we talked, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, I've been a few months I think it was December. What, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, what are your thoughts on like how AI is affecting the work that you're doing with chat automation? 
Well, I think it's uh, it's affecting it tremendously, right? I think that I wouldn't be able to measure that accurately, right? Because, you know, just the time that I'm investing here talking to you guys, there's AI working for some of the client build-outs that we have built recently, mm-hmm. right? And we are able to measure that. I'm a data guy. So we're also able to measure that maybe at the end of the month, uh, three months from now, six months from now, to give you like a or to give the client a glimpse of what's happening, right, with uh, with these tools. But overall, I think that uh, it's an exciting time where we can uh, we're still we're still understanding how to apply this technology for our own benefit, right? So we uh, right. we hear a lot of ideas and concepts, but when it comes to implementing. Right. Getting behind the computer or getting behind an automation uh, system that already exists. Right. That has nothing to do with AI, but then supercharging it with AI. How do you do that? Right. And what needs to be disconnected, unplugged, calibrated, etc. Not just by theory saying, oh, well, AI is going to help me get better leads or close more sales, whatever. So we're still finding out what are those specific functions of AI to different build-outs, like different niches, different regions, right? So tremendously, I guess. That's yeah, the, yeah, 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 no doubt. <laughs> well, and the thing with AI, I think is a similar thing as it is with chat automation is it's only as good as the prompt. Like right? if you don't prompt it properly, you know, you're not going to get the result that you want. If you don't have a human in your chatbots thinking about what would lead to the next thing in order for you to get the right flow... Right. I mean, as we when I think I said this on our show, like it's infuriating to me how bad how bad most chatbots are because they like never they never do what I'm asking. They never know. And even on the phone, too, I'm like operator. I'm like, like, I'll give it one or two tries. And then I'm like, nah, you're never going to understand what I'm saying. And maybe it's on me because I'm not asking it properly. But really, I think it's on them that they don't have a human who's really trying to think about how humans are really going to ask a question. Yes. All right. Jen has a question for you. Yeah. So turning negative into positive, learning from a hard experience, what has been the biggest business challenge for you and how did you overcome that? Oh, that's, a, that's a loaded question. I think that we learn things almost on a daily basis, right? We run yeah. into, into dead ends and we just figure things out. So most recently, I think that I had a, uh, an aha moment just uh, earlier today that is very relevant to, to this question. And I think that one of the biggest most consistent challenges that I've faced personally, it's it's not so much in the tech space, right? It's not so much um, how to solve things and make things happen. It's, I think it's still within the relationship with the decision maker on the other side, uh-huh. right? So I think that managing client expectations is paramount because yeah. they might have heard some things that could be possible and then they probably think that uh, we hold a magic wand or that we copy and paste a template and that they're going to have a system that answers their every wish, right? And their audience's every wish, right? So I think that managing clients' expectations is something that I keep learning so much in the conversations that I have from the um, prospecting phase and to formalizing, you know, the project or the scope of work on paper with a timeline, with uh, certain milestones, certain payments due, etc. So right. I think that uh, I think that managing clients' expectations is, is something that I keep learning on and on. Yeah, I think that would be really time saving in the long run too. Like you have like this entire like basically a template kind of you know is established at the very beginning of the relationship, set the bar, and you're going to eliminate a lot of those conversations you would have had along. The way just by adjusting it right up front. Well, so and uh, yeah, I'm going to hop in on this if that's okay. Um, yeah, of course. I would say too that, you know, Danny, I had that same situation when I started Wholesome Media. We didn't really have like a concrete template, if you will, or strategy in terms of how to manage a client. So we were kind of going off whatever client work we could get at the time, right? Well, that didn't come with setting clear expectations on our end. So it was a fiasco yeah. <laughs> trying to deal with all of that. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And it's hard. Like, it's super hard. So it's it definitely is. scope creep. Scope creep. Absolutely. Creep. That's, the, that's the biggest piece, right? <laughs> like having that be understood, like these are, this is, you know, and having that be there so that you can then go back and say, okay, I think we're getting a little out of scope here. Mm-hmm. We need to yeah. have another conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, let's talk to Jeremy Lineberg with Wholesome Media. Our conversation was around nurturing a community on TikTok, and that was episode 119. And we don't talk specific platforms all the time on the show, but <laughs> TikTok is definitely one that's just so major. It's so huge. So yeah, I really admire that all that you had to share um, with our listeners. And so um, if anybody wants to hear about TikTok, I think it's an evergreen episode. It's not any any information in there that that like would be, you know, there's no tactical things that might not hold true anymore. But is there anything uh, since we talked that's fun about TikTok or that you've learned that you would want to share? Um, well, the platform is always changing. I literally yeah. just read an article today about how they're even launching in the business accounts search for ads. Like literally uh, my boss with Swim Outlet just sent this to me and like we were even looking it over. So things are changing big time in terms of the paid side of things and how to manage your community and get content out there on the paid side of stuff. So that's something that's that's changing literally as we speak that they're they're looking into and that kind of stuff. But in terms of community, like kind of what we discussed, nothing has really changed. You're still engaging, you're still creating cool content, you're still coming up with cool conversations, meeting cool people. So yeah, I mean, in terms of yeah. the paid side of stuff, things are changing. But in terms of building the community, it's the same thing. So. Right. Engage with the people, respond to them. Mm -hmm. I attended a session at Podcast Movement yesterday on personal branding, and it was really interesting. I was surprised that I actually learned some stuff. But one of the things that he said, he manages some major, like he manages Mel Robbins stuff. Oh. Yeah. So it, like he, oh. he dropped some names. I was like, whoa. Um, I love but, Mel. Oh I yeah. know. Me too. Oh. He said he that they're like a hundred people that he regularly engages with in DMs and and has gotten to know because they engaged with him and he engaged back. And then like so many brands and humans, you know, like don't actually take the time to respond mm -hmm. to people. Well, so that's the yeah. biggest thing about building community, right? Like if you don't, if they're talking at you and you're not talking back to them, yeah. like, what are you even doing? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Even on that note, I just got asked to teach a class on social media and stuff. And I started reaching out to friends over DMs and social because I'm not a teacher. I teach <laughs> swimming, but I've never taught like, a class. So I'm reaching out to my friends that are professors and, and just asking, you know, and that's really what it takes, right? That's how you build that community is genuinely connecting with people, you know, and, and whether it's a DM or in the comment section. So, yeah. Anyways. For sure. Jen has a question for you, Jeremy. I do. And one thing before that, I remember you had like this big interview coming up before. Oh, yeah. Right. Or like right after we were recording, I think that day. And so our listeners might want to know how that ended up. I think you've already kind of alluded to it. <laughs> yes. So I ended up getting the job, <laughs> which was awesome. Um, yes. And that's part of, I think, maybe what might be in this question as well. But I did get the job yeah. as well. So I now still help run Wholesome Media, which is an organic social media and community building agency. But I also am now the social media specialist for the largest swim retailer in the world called Swim Outlet. So. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's been so much fun watching you just like post on LinkedIn and like all the cool stuff you're doing at your office. Yes. I'm so, Jen, I'm, Jen, I'm so glad you knew the answer to that because I was like, this could go a totally different. Oh, no. I've been <laughs> loving the LinkedIn posts. It's so much fun to watch how much he loves his job now. Like just that's right. Oh, he looks so fulfilled. It's great. But so with that being said, you know, of course, that's going to maybe lead to some extra challenges within, you know, balancing you know, the two things together. So what has been the biggest challenge and how are you overcoming that or how have you overcome that? Yeah. So the biggest challenge happened five months ago when I decided that I wanted to go in a different direction in terms of, you know, my career. I'm 25 years old. I want to, I want to continue learning. And so I took an opportunity to to apply for a dream job of mine, which is Swim Outlet. Um, ended up getting the position, but then I realized, you know, how am I going to manage this with Wholesome? Because I was managing everybody. I didn't really have a plan to be transparent into what, how we were going to run Wholesome without me being the full-time 
person managing everyone. So that was crazy. That was, it took a lot of tears transparently. I was very overwhelmed. I was excited and overwhelmed at the same time, right? Um, because, you know, you're grateful for this new job, but you're also, you have a lot of clients you're working with in a team that, that you have to figure out how to manage them. So my biggest challenge was figuring that out and onboarding somebody that I trusted, that I was willing to hand things over to, because that's really hard for me. I was even kind of listening in on what Madeline said as well. And it's, yeah. I was in a similar situation, to be honest, because, you know, Wholesome is our baby. You know what I mean? Like we, we built that up, Abby and I. And so it was really tough trying to give projects and, and give tasks to somebody else. You know, it was just hard to do that, basically. I don't really know how yeah. to say it. For sure. That is challenging. It's unsettling. Um, And even still to today, like it's still tough. Even, you know, my day to day doing stuff with Swim Outlet, but I work in the evenings on wholesome media stuff. You know, it's still hard to, you know, connect with our team members and have meetings to keep a pulse of what's going on within the business and that kind of stuff. So it's a lot of moving parts. But I'm able to do cool things. Um, you know, if you follow me on LinkedIn, if you don't, I would love to connect with you anyway. But I, I post a lot about I'm able to travel a lot now, be subjected to different things with Swim Outlet. But I'm also able to travel with Wholesome too. But managing them has been uh, tough in terms of figuring all that out. So, but it's doable. But yes, it's doable. yes. <laughs> the right team in place. So. Amazing. All right. Well, that is, I love that. I'm so happy for you. Okay. So yeah. Jeremy's episode again was 119, talking TikTok. And Danny's was 123. We talked humanizing your brand with chat. Thank you both so much for being here. I really appreciate you being part of the celebration and the kickoff and uh, lucky season number seven. Congratulations on that again, by the way. Congrats. Many more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Jeremy, I'm following you. I need to step up my game with tech. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. (laughs) I want to see what you do, Danny. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to hang here with Jen for just a second. um, That I'll let you guys go. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. All right. So, Miss Jen. Yes. Year seven ahead of us. Uh, But I'm excited to mix it up and do some shows, uh, mix in some shows that maybe aren't just interview that are just us. Maybe you do a solo. You can do a solo show or two. I can do a solo show or two and just kind of mix it up. We're going to play with length of the show. I'm going to really dig into our analytics, which I haven't haven't done in a really long time. Just see what people want. But also, I want to learn who our listeners are. I want to have one-on-one communication with them like we have never done before. So everybody be on the lookout for ways for us to get feedback from you because we want to not just tell you what we think you want to learn about, but we want to learn from you what you want to learn about. So, okay, this has been part one. Part one. So we will be back. If you would like to join us on Tuesday afternoon, it'll be two o'clock Pacific time, five o'clock Eastern time. And we're going to talk to some more folks. We're going to do another really fun live like this and um, get part two of our season seven kickoff. Woohoo! It's going to be so much fun. I'm so, I cannot wait. These are always a blast. I always love these, but doing them live, like added that extra dimension of just, oh, I love it. Yeah. Be able to like bring people in and out and all that feels so. So producery. Hi, Chris Stone. Welcome. He's caught the tail end. He did catch We're, the tail end. Always nice yeah. to see Chris. So another thing kind of a little bit different for me, I always, you know, say up front on the show that the show is made possible by Powers of Marketing and it is still, but Powers of Marketing, I'm now calling it what it is. It, my business is a strategic podcast and event production agency. I used to be a fully integrated marketing agency and I've been moving away from that, but it's it's I'm officially away from that. So I'm going to call it what it is and that is what it is. So if you're thinking about a podcast, even if you're just considering it, you know, lots of qualifying questions like, why do you want to do it? What are you trying to accomplish? All those kinds of things. I'm happy to have those conversations with anyone out there who would like to. Um, and I'm going to share my email. It's Megan, spelled the correct way, M-E-G. G-A-N at powers of dot marketing. The domain is dot marketing. You heard that right. So thanks, Miss Jen. Always Thank a blast. You, it was all yeah, it's always a blast. When we learn we even learn from the from this episode. We learn things. It's amazing. Always, yeah. Always learn from yeah. these people. Yeah. Well, and continue to build relationships with the people who are on, which is always for me, that's you know, one of the best parts. So yes. Yeah. Great. All right, friends. This has been episode 132 of the Making a Marketer podcast. And we will catch you next time. Time.